Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Unfinished business, and we're looking at the last judge in the book of Judges. There's 12 judges that is mentioned in the book of Judges, and they start out pretty good, but then it seems to go from like good to bad to worse, and we're going to talk about the worst today. We're looking at Samson. Um, How many of you guys have heard of the story of Samson before? If you haven't, you're in for a wild ride. Samson is, I mean, I couldn't have made this up. This stuff is crazy, and yet it's straight out of Scripture. So buckle up. Um, It's about to get wild up in here. So my title for today is, Bro, Do You Even? Turn to your neighbor and say, Bro, Do You Even? You guys know what I'm talking about when I say, Bro, Do You Even? Bro, Do You Even? (laughs) Dale, oh, yeah. He did not, okay? I had to explain to him, (laughs) bro, do you even lift, right? It's like this gym term. If you ever go to the gym, you know, it's like, I don't know, they talk about, bro, do you even lift? Like, are you even that big? Can you really lift that weight? It came from a TV show called Jersey Shore. Don't watch it. (laughs) Complete waste of your time and you'll lose brain cells, but... That's kind of where it originated, and then it just took off, like it took the internet by storm. Next thing you know, there's memes, do you even lift? My friend has a shirt of Shakespeare, super buff, jacked, and it says, dost thou even hoist? (laughs) It's like old English, do you even lift? Anyways, I'm getting way off track here, but I thought it was fitting because Samson, if you know anything about Samson, he was a strong guy, right? Perhaps the strongest man to ever live, probably pretty fit. And, um, and not only that, but Samson had so much potential going for him. And yet, all for nothing. Like, it just, he just squanders it. How many of you know of somebody who just had so much potential in, in something, in an area of their life? Yeah, I, I remember a friend of mine in high school, um, so athletic. His name was Corey. He was so athletic. And I actually met him in eighth grade, and he joined our soccer team. He had never played on an organized team before, soccer team. Um, He ends up joining our team, and purely by his speed and athleticism, he becomes the number one goal scorer on our team. I mean, the dude is just insane. And then uh, we roll into freshman year of high school, and he ends up making varsity football, varsity basketball, varsity track and field. I mean, just an absolute stud of an athlete. And so we're all thinking, this guy's going D1, you know, he's going to have offers, yada, yada, yada. Well, fast forward to, high, for, to graduation, and he's not even there. In fact, he didn't even make grades to graduate. And so he ended up really not going as far as we had thought, but man, the potential was like right there. Samson was one of those guys who had all the potential in the world to accomplish some great things. His story starts out in Judges 13, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but 
Um, story starts out with his parents, and they're not able to have a child, but then all of a sudden, they find out that they're going to have a child. And it's not by going to the doctor. It's not by going to the clinic. An angel shows up to his parents and tells them that they're going to have a child. And I want to pause here because this is pretty cool, I thought. Do you know how many times in the Bible an angel shows up to someone or a, a couple and tells them that they're going to have a child? Do you know how many times? There's only four. Close. First one is with Abraham and Sarah about their son Isaac. Second, Samson. Third, Zechariah and Elizabeth with John the Baptist. And then fourth, Mary and Joseph with Jesus. That's pretty good company to be in. I mean, we're talking the father of a nation for God's chosen people, the one who's to prepare the way for the Messiah, John the Baptist, and then the Messiah himself. Like, already in this story, something good is brewing. I mean, when you read, you're like, oh man, this guy, something's on him, right? And then the angel tells the parents that you're going to dedicate him as a Nazarite. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit, because that's very important to the story. And then after he's born, Scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he lived in Mahanadan. In other words, God's Spirit began to work in this guy, Samson. And I believe it's in that moment that he's given this unique strength and ability to be possibly, quite possibly, the greatest warrior ever to live. But unfortunately, we don't remember him by his great accomplishments and his feats of strength. We remember him by his inability to listen, to learn, and to lean on God's own strength. And that's, those are the three things I want to talk about today as we're unpacking this story of Samson today. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to come because we need him. I need him. And so we're going to pray this morning, and then we're going to launch into the text. So Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, that you have the ability to move and change hearts and minds and lives. I do not. In fact, no one in this room does but you. So Holy Spirit, come. Use this time, however you will, and speak to us this morning, we pray. If you agree, you can say amen. All right, so my first point, if you want to take notes, write it down in your phone, whatever, or just pay special close attention. My first point is, bro, do you even listen? (laughs) Have you ever ignored something that your parents told you to do or not to do and regretted it later? (laughs) I see some nudges. Yeah, of course you have. We all have, right? Like, I don't know what it is about parents' advice that we love to ignore, but when it comes to like a close friend, it's like, oh yeah, you'll listen to that person. It could be the exact same thing that the parents said, and yet they'll ignore the parents, they'll listen to the good friend, right? Or the coach, or the teacher, right? Um, I have a toddler now, as you saw, Aslan, and uh, man, cutest thing ever, but she just gets like this weird joy out of totally disobeying me and my wife. And, like, and it's so hard, you know, because she's so cute while she's disobeying you. 
you want to be mad, but you, you try not to laugh, but you're like, don't smack your brother. But... And so it's just this weird thing, right? It's like, psh, what do parents know? Well, Samson was no different. In fact, he had a hard time listening to anyone for that matter. You're going to find out this was one pretty arrogant, angry dude. Judges 14, one through three, it says, one day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. <laughs> yeah, we're already starting off pretty good, right? His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry, they asked? Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. <laughs> it's like caveman. Look good. Woman, want her now. <laughs> it's like, that explains a lot, actually, about Samson. I mean, guys, I do not recommend you do this when you're starting out dating. Just don't do it. But it kind of makes sense with Samson, right? He's this great warrior, big, strong dude, could probably have any girl that he wants. But the problem is the girl that he wants is a Philistine, which Philistines and the Israelites are at war with one another. Think Goliath and David, right? Goliath, Philistine, David, Israelite. Don't get along. So there's a problem here. <clears throat> but Samson wants her. And who knows, maybe he was thinking, I'll be the one to bring these two groups of people together. I'll be the one to unite the Philistines and the Israelites by our love relationship. Or maybe he just thought his parents, they had no clue about love and they were prejudiced and they just, they didn't know what young love looked like. And so he just ignores the parents' advice. Judges 14, five through nine. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Told you it's about to get weird. And at that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he did not tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. What in the world? <laughs> is happening right now. Like, what is with the lion and the... And then I love how the text says, it was as easy as if he was tearing apart a young goat. I don't know how easy it is to tear apart a young goat. I don't want to know. Um, it seems a little weird, kind of gross. And then it goes on to say that he scoops the honey, right? The bees come and they do their bee thing, and they make honey in the dead carcass, and he comes and he scoops it and eats it and gives some to his family. Like, what in the world? Seems really odd, but there's actually something very important 
about this that we have to, that we can't ignore. Because remember, in the beginning, I said that the angel of the Lord, and if you read it or you know it, the angel of the Lord told his parents that he was to be dedicated as a Nazarite, to take upon a Nazarite vow. Well, according to Numbers chapter 6, a Nazarite vow is for someone to be consecrated, set apart, dedicated to the service of the Lord. They're supposed to be different, live their life differently than the rest of the people of Israel. And with that came a set of parameters. They were not allowed to drink alcohol. A Nazarite was not allowed to cut their hair. And they were not allowed to touch any corpse, human or animal. Samson knew this. I mean, he was told this from a young age, and his family knew this. And yet, even knowing all of this, Samson still went against the command of the Lord by touching that carcass and giving some to his family and intentionally not telling them. Did you catch that? So he goes against the command of the Lord, and he goes against his parents' advice and wishes of pursuing this relationship with this Philistine woman. Now, you can read this and be like, man, these seem like some minor things. It's like, what's the big deal? I mean, he didn't really touch the carcass. He just got the honey, right? And, but actually, you read through the rest of the story and you find out there are some incredible consequences to these decisions that he made. And I won't, we don't have the time to read the whole story. I would encourage you to go read it. But essentially what happens is over 1,000 people die 300 foxes get burned alive. All the crops in the area get burned. A marriage is ruined. His wife is burned alive and her father. He nearly dies and a war is almost started. And we're not even halfway through the story yet. Just some minor things, you know. No big deal. But I want to pause there for a moment because there's something super important that we need to understand Samson failed to recognize, and actually, I think we failed to recognize even to this day. And it's this. God gives us parameters for our protection, not our deprivation. God gives you and I parameters for our protection, not our deprivation, not to deprive you of things, but to actually protect you from things. Have you ever heard um, people say, God's just a God of rules and laws and commands, and it's just boring to be a Christian because I have to follow all these rules and commands? I mean, I hear it a lot as a youth pastor, especially with young people. It's like all the time. But truly what they're really saying is, I want to be in charge of the rules. I want to set the parameters for my life because I think I know what's best for me. I would equate it to this. Have you ever been on the Seward Highway before? It's considered the most dangerous highway in Alaska. Um, What follows alongside that highway? Guardrails. Who put those guardrails there? Not you. And why are they there? For your protection, right? Now, let's just say if those guardrails weren't there, 
Um, would you go put some up? If you drove off the road, maybe you'd be like, oh, we need to, we need to set up some guardrails. I just went off the road here, right? And if you did end up putting up some guardrails, would they be as sturdy and secure as the ones that are there? Probably not. My point is, God puts up parameters in our life. He sets up parameters for you and I because he knows that without them, we go off the road. And when we go off the road, you know what happens. We crash, we burn. Things go downhill real fast. God knows you better than you know you because he created you and I. And so he knows the guardrails. He knows the parameters that work for you and I. And here's the thing. They're not just to protect us, but they're actually to keep us on the road that he has called and placed before you. See, the truth is God has placed a future, a destiny, purpose for you and for me, and he puts guardrails so that you can get to that destination, that you can get to that calling that he's called you to. But without the guardrails, you and I are swerving, ditch banging, you know it. You see, God gave Samson those parameters for his protection. And in fact, his strength was found in those parameters. Your strength is found in God's parameters. That's why he gives you this book, you and I, this book, because this is a set of parameters to help you along the path that he's placed before you. That's why he's placed people in your life, godly people in your life, that can maybe help correct you or warn you when you've stepped outside of the parameters that God has placed before you. Samson stepped outside of those parameters and it nearly cost him his life. Here's the problem. Samson didn't really learn. Which brings me to my next point. Bro, do you even learn? Have you ever known someone who made the same mistake over and over again? Yeah, sometimes it's sad to watch. <laughs> like, we got a big test coming up tomorrow, and you're like, I got to study. Cram that night. Frankie knows. She's a teacher. Right? They're cr- you're cramming that night. You wake up, take your test, bomb it. It's like, oh, that didn't work out so good. Test, next test rolls around. What are you doing? Scramming the night before, expecting a different result. I may be speaking from experience. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's money, right? Maybe you know somebody who they're just so bad with money. It's like they got money, they blow it. And then when it's time to pay the bills or they actually need something, they don't have the money. <laughs> but then when the paycheck comes in, it's gone as fast as it came in. They blew it on something else. It's painful to watch, right? Well, there's one area in Samson's life that he is prone to make the same mistake over and over again. You know what it is? It's with women. (laughs) Now, some of you can relate, so you need to pay extra attention, all right, fellas? Hopefully it's not this bad. But we just read about his first wife and how things went down, right? He failed to listen. He failed to listen to God's command, and he failed to listen to his parents. 
But also part of the problem was she was a Philistine. And like I said, Philistines and Israelites virtually at war with one another. So you would think that when Samson's getting back into the dating game, he would probably look for someone maybe a little different, you know, maybe someone who would cause a little less friction in the relationship. It's not the case. Check it out. Judges 16, one through three. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Word soon spread that Samson was there, so the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying to themselves, when the light of morning comes, we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed only until midnight. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the town gate, including the two posts, lifted them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across Hebron. That would have been a sight to see. But, okay, so let's just get this straight, right? Mary's a Philistine woman, goes horribly wrong. He nearly dies. He gets a fling with another Philistine woman who also almost kills him, gets him killed. This is like a bad reality TV show. Like, you could not make this up. But it just keeps getting worse and worse. Very next verse, Judges 16, 4 through 6. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. Bro, do you even learn? Then the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what would it take to tie you up securely? Uh, hello, Samson. <laughs> like, sometimes it's just hard to you like read this. If you want to slap a Bible character, you're like, whoosh. And then you realize like, oh, wait, <laughs> I'm actually really similar to this guy. Because there's something in here, again, that as I was reading through this over and over, prepping for this, something that just leapt out to me. And I think, man, today uh, we especially needed to hear this. And it's this. You can write it down. If you are led by your feelings, you will be lured away from your faith. If you are led by your feelings, you will be lured away from your faith. For the next 15 verses. Samson is asked by Delilah four different times. What did she say? Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Four times. And the first three, he doesn't give her the right answer. He gives her a little bit of detail, but it's not quite the right thing. But what you notice as you read through that story, and again, I would encourage you to read it, it's almost as if every time she asks, he gives her a little more and a little more. And then he starts talking about his hair. And then you're like, no, Samson, don't do it. But it's like almost every time he's lured away a little bit and then a little bit and then a little bit. If you are led by your feelings, you'll be lured away from your faith. 
Look, I know feelings and emotions aren't bad things. The Bible talks a lot about emotions. In fact, God created emotions. He created your feelings. And it's a good thing to feel your feelings. Don't stuff them. Don't push them away. That's not what I'm trying to say, right? I mean, God created us in his image. And a huge part of that is that we have feeling and we have emotion. But what I want to encourage you is the Bible also tells us that we need to control our emotions, that you are capable of controlling your emotions and your feelings and to not allow them to control you. Check out what Galatians says, Galatians 5, 16. Say, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature, sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So let me tell you again, as I have often before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there are no laws. We live in a world that tells you to do what feels good for you. Do what makes you happy. Oh, you don't feel like you were born a man? Oh, then you can just become the opposite sex. Oh, you feel in love with this person who doesn't really follow the Lord, isn't really walking a life of faith, but you're so in love with him and you think you maybe can woo them over, go for it. Oh, you want to have sex before marriage? Like, the world will tell you, do what makes you happy, what makes you feel good, because that's the ultimate goal, right? But the Bible's saying quite the opposite. It's actually saying those things won't fulfill you and only living a life guided by the Spirit, living a life that produces patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, those types of things. That's the kind of life you're actually after. See, but Samson didn't get it. His whole life, he did what he wanted to do, led by his feelings. He was an arrogant, angry person. <laughs> And he had some strong feelings for the Philistine women. But it's like every time he was lured away a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more until we get to what I think is the saddest part of the whole story. Judges 16, 19 through 21. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep or the Paul version, Delilah lured Samson away. (laughs) And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. 
And in this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, man, this girl is just, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Man. So the Philistines captured him, gouged out his eyes, then they took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Man, for far too long, Samson had lived his life guided by his feelings and his emotions and what he wanted. And look where it got him. Which brings me to my last point here. Bro, do you even lean? (laughs) You know, you're only as strong as what you're leaning on. For some people, they lean on their money, brings them a source of comfort, strength, security. Some people lean on their job or their status at work or some, their popularity at school maybe or their athleticism. That's what makes them feel tough. Or some people, it's an addiction or some type of substance. That's what they lean on to find their happiness or their joy. Or maybe it's someone who, you know, you lean on your family, your spouse. Not necessarily a bad thing, but you, that's where your rock is, right? Your spouse or your family. But the truth is, you're only as strong as what you lean on. And up until this point, Samson had virtually done everything on his own and leaned on his own strength. But it all catches up to him, doesn't it? After three failed attempts, Delilah finally succeeds in convincing Samson to tell her the secret of his strength. He's lulled to sleep. He's lured away. They shave his head, thus disobeying the command that God had given him. And he loses all of his strength. The thing that he had been leaning on his entire life. Gone. And if that wasn't enough, the Philistines want to humiliate him just as he had humiliated them for years. So what do they do? Gouge out his eyes. Can you imagine? Maybe don't, (laughs) because that'd be brutal. I mean, they don't have like proper surgeries and tools to do this thing. I mean, we're talking like jagged rocks and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like it is not pretty. They want to humiliate him. And then they turn him into a workhorse. Right? They hook him up to a mill thing, grinding grain, and, which is usually reserved for animals like donkeys and some type of animal. And he spends his days chained to a rock, walking in a circle now, grinding grain. Talk about wasted potential. And what does he have to prove? I mean, what does he have to lean on now? I mean, it really is tragic, isn't it? How do we go from this so promise to just total destruction? But what I love about this story, this next line right here, man, 
and this is for somebody in this room, this is where grace hits the scene. Because you look at his life and you're like, man, there's no coming back from this, man. He is totally left a wake of destruction. I mean, total chaos. But check out this next line. Judges 16.22. But before long, his hair began to grow back. This is like the part of the story where your favorite character who you thought was dead, you know, moves a little bit. You're like, oh, he's awake. He might actually, no way, right? This is Samson's grace moment. This is where grace steps onto the scene and begins to do its thing in his life. It's like that song, you know, the song, My Testimony. We've sang it a couple times at church, but it goes, if I'm not dead, you're not done. That kind of, that's a good line, right? This is Samson, if I'm not dead, I'm not done moment. And he knows it because he does something in this moment that he has never done before in his life. At least it's not recorded in scripture. He prays to God. Check it out, Judges 16, 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Wow. <clears throat> in that moment, Samson recognized, I've been leaning on my own strength for far too long, and it hasn't got me anywhere. I'm going to try another option. God, I need you. I need you so desperately right now. His entire life, he had leaned on his own strength and power. And then in one single moment of leaning on God, think about it, one moment, he accomplished more in that moment than he had his entire life as a judge of Israel. And you know what's crazy about this? If you read through the entire biblical narrative story, Hebrews chapter 11, which is considered the hall of faith, it records all of those who have gone before us and how they're cheering us on. But it's these epic people who have lived a life of faith. You know whose name is mentioned in that? Samson. What? How could that be? He was a train wreck. He was a total disaster. What? What? But what you learn as you read is this story is actually not about Samson as much as it is about God. See, Samson was all about ruin and destruction. But God was all about restoration and redemption. Samson was about 
faithlessness. He was not faithful to God, yet God was still faithful to him. Right? It says the spirit of God had left him, but it was almost as if God was saying, look, Samson, I can't, I can't condone what you're doing right now. I can't continue on with this, but I'm going to stand right here. And when you're ready, I'll be right here for you. I'll be right here. Whatever you need me, you know where to find me. And what does he do? He calls upon the Lord. And what does he do? He shows up on Samson's behalf. You know, there's this profound proverb that I would encourage you to memorize. It's short and sweet, hard to beat, but it will save you a lot of heartache. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, the life and story of Samson is a cautionary tale. It's not a fairy tale, it's real, but it's a cautionary tale for you and for me to take inventory of your life and say, where are the areas in my life that I have not leaned on him? I've leaned on my own strength. I've tried, right? And if you've tried, you know how discouraging and hard it can be. Because so often you feel like, I'm just not good enough. I just can't do this anymore. But could it be that you've tried in your own strength and not in his? You know what I love about the Christian life when you're starting out, it's all about admitting to God, I'm not enough. I can't do this. It's that simple recognition that I am not enough. I can't do this on my own. Lord, I need you. And just like Samson, he's there. You could have gone your whole life and you could look back and see all the destruction that you've caused, the relationships you've broken, the people that you've hurt, And in one moment, call upon the name of the Lord, and he would be there for you. Can you stand to your feet with me? I want to invite the prayer team forward. They're going to hang out in the front. And uh, these guys would love to pray with you. They're passionate about prayer. If there's anything in your life that you want prayer for, maybe it's in regards to this. Maybe you're self-evaluating right now, and I hope you are, just taking inventory and saying, God, what are the areas that I've stepped outside your parameters? Or I've been led by my feelings for far too long in this area, and I've done these things, and I'm tired of it. Or maybe you've just put your strength and stock in yourself. Maybe you're coming to your wit's end, and you're realizing, I'm not as strong as I thought. But I can tell you this, there's a God who can carry you through. So I'm going to pray for us. Like I said, the prayer team's available, and we're going to have one more time of worship. But Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the life of Samson, Lord. We look at him, and it's easy to point the finger and say, wow, this guy is a tragic mess. And yet, the story is actually for us to look and say, whoa. Maybe I'm not all that different. God, highlight areas in our life that we need to be more dependent upon you. We need to hand over to you and Spirit of God, we just ask that you begin to move in our hearts in this moment. Thank you, God, that you're doing things that we cannot do 
we need you. In the world that we live in, we need you more than ever. So come, Holy Spirit. Bring your truth. Illuminate our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.